My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voices of Wrestling Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WWE Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network and powered by a large man appears.com. It's me, your comeback kid, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, the also returning Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you, buddy? Happening. Can you not hear it? <laughs> this is turning into fucking Lanza grade audio now. You're playing music on the phone that your mic's not picking up. Oh no. Oh wait, oh no, oh I hear it. Oh I hear it now. Yeah, there we go. You ruined ruined my bit. <laughs> Sorry, it's Broodly is and, here. Uh, Brood Broodly is here. Not just Lee, <laughs> it's Broodly. <laughs> How have you been? Broody. <laughs> Broody, yeah. I hate to inform you, Dave, but I've gone to that place. You've gone to that place. I've gone that's, to that place. I mean, that's why we didn't record last week. Because, uh, like, uh, you, were, uh, you were in that place. I was in that place. It was a hell of a fucking commute to that place. I mean, Beth Be Phoenix was in the door, or the room next door. It was uh, quite the journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, that place doesn't have Wi-Fi. I, I sadly, too, had to watch the Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, oh. The best news, of course, is that they called it short. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I, I did tweet that out of the account. I suppose let's just launch into it um, <laughs> because this is like it's only a few days removed, so we're not as like completely outdated as we normally are. But this is like our only juncture to to talk about Mania weekend. Um, and yeah, the Hell in a Cell. I, I tweeted out when it happened that like I could feel without having talked to you. The, the utter vindication of Edge stinking the joint out again. Oh, it felt good. 
It, yeah. it really did. That fucking absolute sham of a man. I was like, I was nearly in tears laughing at one them writing Brood Edge on the Tron, um, but also like the removal of anything to do with the brood, brood apart yeah, from the yeah. word brood. Like yeah. no, the music is the one part that undeniably was over. They got rid of that. He there wasn't was, in the gear. Fuck that mirrorball suit. Yeah, there was there was uh, no music. There was no shades. Yeah. There was no long hair. Yeah. I mean, like, I I could have done without the shades. That's fine. Um. There was no viscous red liquid. Yeah. The uh the shades now like older edge coming out with the shades as he was last year, uh is very like it's less cool young guy and more dad gets headaches. <laughs> Maybe I relate to that as a dad who gets headaches. Yeah. <laughs> That's a one thing yeah, Adam has gone for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, my God, Brood Edge and the Demon in a... F- oh, my God, it was fucking awful. I, yeah. I, like, just bad. I, fe- I felt bad for Finn. I, I felt bad for him, but I also was just like, Jesus, he's completely lost sight of... What I mean, was. like, that Demon character has never really been, like, my my bugbear with him was always that like he'd come out in the in like the demon gear and then wrestle exactly like Finn Balor mm-hmm. uh, didn't change it up at all um, but I think it pre- reached a particularly cringy level this time when he had like his flares his, fa- his face and graphic on his back yeah as if we weren't gonna it's like when you know Undertaker would do his big ostentatious Wrestlemania entrance and then a graphic would come up saying it was the Undertaker which is like the most (laughs) redundant thing in the world it's like oh who else the fuck is it gonna be like well well, I mean we should say that Edge showed up in his 1999 form and true to form uh, Finn also showed up in his 99 form with uh, smoking flares and paint all over his face so yeah yeah I feel bad for him that like it's like two huge matches in his career have been like uh interrupted and the momentum killed by a blood stoppage um so there was that where like it it completely whatever mystique the demon might have had to younger fans was gone by the the demon requires medical attention line um but i remember i was in the building in dallas when he had that match with joe Joe, which was going great and he got cut open and they stopped it and everybody Um, booed yeah yeah, yeah, it was dog shit, like, because it had been great up until that. Well, spe- um, speaking of dog shit, yeah. Um, before we get into the wider scale, what did you think of WrestleMania in general? I really enjoyed night one. And I think that's been the trend since they've been doing the two-day ones. I can't remember the very first one, but I know definitely last year I thought, like... God, Saturday was a shot in the arm, and it's like, wow, this is like some of the kind of like matches and results that I really wanted to see. And then night two just screeched to a fucking halt, with the exception of like one fucking incredible match, yeah. the Intercontinental title match. Um, I thought night one was a really good show. Like, I'm not on the bandwagon with people who are saying like night one was the greatest WrestleMania night of all time. Not I think that's, I, th- I think that's recency bias in the extreme. Like I get bell to bell that X seven isn't like probably doesn't hold up in terms of like the quality of wrestling on some of the matches. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's recency bias in the extreme to say something like that. And I think the way the cage match rating for it has been dipping down steadily all week bears that out mm-hmm. um I, I, I thought I, like they, they made all the right calls in the right matches up until the very end 
yeah, I, I think um, Gunther retaining was really a tip-off that, okay, Cody's not winning. Yeah. <laughs> um, because everything we had heard was that Gunther was being primed as the Cody summer mm-hmm. opponent. And Roman was obviously going to disappear or whatever the plan was there. Yeah. Which I remember saying on the, we did a, for patrons, it's still up on VOD, we did a, a prediction stream and a pre-pre-show stream for Mania. And I remember saying, as like, I think it's best for all involved if if Roman took a few months off until mm-hmm. the summer. Because even though, like as Mark was pointing out, who, uh, who did a very, very good job uh, standing in your stead on the show. Uh, like I, I said to him, I was like, Roman's all over the place. It's like, he's not like he fucking wrestles, but like he's an overwhelming presence on all their product. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I think, I think everybody would benefit from him getting some time off. So know? like coming out of mania, obviously Cody, Cody fucking got embarrassed. Um, yeah. But like e- even raw was not what's Roman doing next. It was, oh, well here's Cody and Brock and yeah. Roman is now back to not trusting a noose. Yeah. And it's like it's it is it is plain as day that it was terribly inconvenient that Sami Zayn got over. Mm-hmm. It was terribly inconvenient that Kevin Owens is still over. Yeah, uh, unbelievably so for for yeah. like the amount of shit that the two of them have had to put up with. And Cody only got the spot because Dwayne was busy. Yes. Um, and it is also, again, like, I, not to, to rabbit a flagship point, but I think the more time goes on, the more evident there is that, apart from Dwayne, there isn't a plan. There isn't a plan. No, there's not. There isn't, because you had, so you had Sammy, who was the most organically over babyface they've had since Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe Kofi, with the Kofi mania, you could argue, but I would say all the I, way back I'd, since I'd Bryan. I would say Daniel Bryan, yeah. Um, you could have done the switch then or you could have held it off another month and have him like take a spot in a three way and just do the Brian thing again uh, with Cody Um, you could have done that or you could have had this guy that you were clearly because like he won the rumble he was clearly being positioned strong before his pec tear now he may have been killed to death in the booking if he'd been around all last year I maintain that if he hadn't got that injury he would have been a nobody come to rumble yeah, I I think I don't know nobody, but I think maybe like intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think he was. Uh, that said, I do think he was. I think it's if he hadn't been injured and if Dwayne was still busy, I think he was the solid B plan for if Dwayne wouldn't do Mania. Well, and he I didn't, mean, so they pulled the trigger. I mean, Dwayne didn't do Mania. They yeah. offered it to Austin. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, they killed Sammy. Yeah, like they, like, and and I think everybody made that thing in their head where it's like, right, okay, I'm not happy what they did to Sammy, but look, you have two guys in Sammy and they, Cody, and you've picked one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just laughed, and it's because I have no, I have no emotional investment whatsoever mm-hmm. in the product. Like, I'd be really fucking mad if I put all this time into the roller coaster. Or into, like, just someone beating Roman. And now it would seem like... It seems like a title change that has to happen at a WrestleMania. Like, I know they've done a really good job in terms of, like, establishing SummerSlam as, like, the mid-year, sum- as the mid-year WrestleMania. Like, mm-hmm. I think it, it is up to a stage now where it's its own... It's its own big deal like, again. It's, it stands above the, 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 like, 
all the other pay-per-views except Mania yeah. and maybe the Rumble, you could argue. But really, the Rumble is just one match, yeah, they, you they, know, they, or two matches. They, they've really done a good job of establishing WrestleMania but, as one pole and SummerSlam as the other pole. And it's I, like I think this pole to pole. I think this reign has to end at a, at a WrestleMania. And I think now, I, I don't care what anybody who is like overdosing on copium this week says, it will never... It, for Co- you could pick Cody or Sammy to be the ones later on to do it, and it will never be as special nope. as the chances they had. I don't care what they do from here, how they build them back up, yeah. they'll never match what they had they, in February or yeah. this month. They will be over and they will get pops. And it's one of those things where because WWE have run off so much of their audience, they're down pretty much to the people. Like, no one's going to hijack a show anymore. No one's going to cheer who they're supposed to boo and vice versa, except for a couple of weeks out of the year when they're in a couple of different markets. So you will get people who know they're supposed to cheer Cody winning if he wins it or Sammy if he wins it, but it's never going to be the perfect... Like, it would have been the perfect storybook ending. Like, Sammy is the one that makes more sense for whatever you want to call this fucking bloodline story, overrated bollocks. Um, And Cody, because of his own story and his uh like narrative coming into it was also a great choice and now it's just like uh, the other thing is uh Dwayne wins it like Ben what he bring, Do you know what I mean? brings you've, brings it to some fucking movie openings or something you've given like the whole idea and this is something a lot of people lose sight of the whole idea of uh, that there's two aspects to it building up a long heel world title reign Mm -hmm. one yes is to establish the heel as like you know one of the generation's biggest stars which i would say that like in so much as you can create a big star nowadays roman reigns is that for his generation whatever that means like he he doesn't he's not a household name in spite of what that one ridiculous tweet said this week he's Um, he's talked about as a giant star but nobody actually buys tickets to see him yeah yeah um so like that's one aspect is that you build the the kind of you build the the career the le- the legend of of this this heel mm. and then it's also to that the face that finally beats him you've made them yes that that's the whole point and so you've completely wasted like if you go to next year in philly and you put it on the rock or if you put it on the rock at SummerSlam this year wherever you're going to do it if it's the rock you've wasted it mm-hmm. you've wasted that rub yes you've made roman a big time heal but like what's that achieving because like the biggest when you build that heel the the biggest payoff financially you're going to get is the person that finally beats him one of the best modern examples of a great champion being defeated is Samoa Joe in Ring of Honor yeah for two years he he held that title or close enough to two years he held that Mm. title and nobody could beat him and then Austin Aries, who had only come into the company a couple of months before, and people felt he wasn't deserving of the match or final battle, mm-hmm. and he beats Joe. Yeah. And that established straight away. Austin Aries has been a main eventer ever since. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah. And that's what it was. It was literally like, here you go, you have this awesome champion, and yet this guy knocked him off. This is the guy that, for like, could did the thing that nobody for the past two years has been capable of doing. The other thing I would say as well is just be wary that WWE, like most wrestling companies, are not good at booking what happens after a streak ends. Mm -hmm. So, like, you, you name it, like, 
uh, anybody that's gone undefeated for any length of time in WWE, like the follow up is never good. And what what was the, um, the thing Corey said? I think Corey said something at the start of the match, something like uh, Roman Reigns has not been pinned in a match, pinned or submitted in a match since twenty nineteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's get back with his new teeth. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and I like that's you can't. Like you can't throw that away on the rock, but uh, look, that's 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 mania anyway, and we don't want to. Hey, here, here's a good one. What's the best match you watched over mania weekend? Like, eliminating the the IC title match, which I thought was incredible. Do you do you know what I would say? I like I I would I would widen it and try and say the best thing I watched over mania weekend, and it ties us right back into WCW nicely was Conan's introduction at the Hall of Fame for Rey Mysterio. <laughs> Say what you want, the man still got it. I have he not, might DM I've not you incessantly it. to listen to his podcast, yeah. but he still got it. Um, some, somebody sent send him this audio of Dave putting him over, so he can slip into Dave's DMs. It was great. It was like it was like those Hall of Fames now are usually like really listless mm-hmm. and like not enjoyable whatsoever. And he lit it up, and he was like, he was he really made you realize. Um, the extent to which Rey Mysterio is like we're literally seeing one of the greatest to ever do it, it and it's amazing that like you have people that go into the Hall of Fame and people dismiss them or whatever but like Rey Mysterio is like literally in our lifetimes has been yeah. one of the best wrestlers of all time and and the fact that we still get to see him at such a high level because he like again we've, we've said it before on the show everyone always says it like even before where we are now in the WCB timeline, he was told that his knees won't yeah. stand up to him <laughs> jumping off a curb. <laughs> like, scary. Like, look at the yeah. different. Like, by the end of his original WWE run, he, he was an absolute shell. Yeah. Like, he was done, finished. Like, this was, God, like the early 2010s, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd say even say to the mid-2010s, he was fucking washed. Like, And then he disappeared for a little while, got some magic treatment. Yeah, and, some uh, horse placenta, Robin Van Persie style. And, uh, yeah, like, he's just tacked on another, like, five, six years to his career. Yeah, it's incredible. And, like, no one has or will get more out of the absolute... Carcass. Horrific, awkward <laughs> beanpole that is Dominic Mysterio. Um, this is the peak, so enjoy it. Um, what was your favourite thing on WrestleMania week? Do you know what? And it was one of the first things I watched. I yeah. fucking loved. I thought it was brilliant. Um, Sean and um, Mao, the 27 Camina. Or it, it's not yeah. said 27 Camina, but that's how it's spelled. Um, yeah. Versus Chris Brooks and Yoshihiko. I have not seen that yet. Oh man, it was it was like literally. I think it was like the first match I watched all weekend. Your your Jim Cornette match of the week, I'm sure. Oh, it was so good. Mm. It was so yeah. good. I'm not like I'm not a DDT guy, as evidenced by. I'm not even sure if I got the the names of uh, the guys facing Brooks and uh, Yoshihiko correct. But Mark uh, Mark Buckley is typing out a tweet right now. But yeah, oh god, I I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's on the list to watch. It's on the list. To that watch, that that for sure. first DDT show. Now, obviously, I, I skip through, but that the opener and the main event well worth watching. Hmm. Shall we get on with it? Let's. Okay, we're back. We're back. 
Thunder episode 67 from Syracuse, New York. 17th of June, 1999. This got a 3.0 rating down from last week's 3.1. This is a taped Thunder after a pay-per-view with five matches. So you know what that means, folks. Get ready for some fucking Nitro clips. Um, they, they, they taped this after Nitro. Did they? What? Did they no, tape? they taped this before the pay-per-view. Oh, God. Yeah, which is why no in-ring promos... Uh, no Sid on the show um, because he hadn't shown up yet. Mm-hmm. No one with a championship, really. That's right. Um, that's correct. Yeah, they're not, the tag titles aren't anywhere when the lads come out for the. Uh... Oh no, that's a, that's a Nitro match. Actually, yeah. Why didn't they have the tag titles on Nitro? What's fucking wild is um, like Booker T returns on this show. Oh, He's in the God, like... theoretically in the main event, and it's like you have him come back, like obviously canonically he's come back after the pay-per-view because of when this aired but you had him available the week before the pay-per-view and think of some of that slop they gave us on Great American Bash like why not do his return match on the pay-per-view you know and you could hype it up for a week or two like Booker T's returning to action people mm-hmm. that love it hot opener absolutely well we'll talk about him when we get to him um Tanae talks about and I hadn't made this connection uh, that the psycho has been added to the out of control madness. So you've got the mm-hmm. psycho, you've got the madness, and it's it's out of control. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> um, Larry in this intro as well talks about how much uh, Macho wants the belt, wants it more than anything. And I thought that was a weird thing to say because, like, ah, the whole thing, Lee, going into the pay per view and it, at the pay per view was that like he just wanted to destroy Nash yeah, because he, he hates Nash. If he wanted the belt more than anything, it makes him look like a colossal fucking idiot that he orchestrated a DQ finish in the world title yeah, match. The whole thing was, Macho, your elbow is banned. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do it anyway because I want to hurt him. Yeah. 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 It it, it, it made no sense. It, you know, it, it, um, Larry is totally checked out at this point, we should say. Yeah, I don't think he's been checked in since, like, oh, maybe the first few episodes when he was feuding with Scott Hall. Mm-hmm. Um he has he and uh, I think I don't want to say Tanay has a poor night but I want to say Larry dragged him to a poor yeah, night here they weren't, um, they weren't great I have to say like obviously we haven't watched an episode in a while yeah um, and I hear Tanay open the show I was like oh yeah fuck I forgot Tanay is the uh, the colour com- or the, the lead commentator now and then I went oh yeah that means Larry is the the fucking yeah. the colour guy now I was like, oh. also and we'll get to it when we, we talk more Nitro because there are extensive pieces of nitro in this show there's been a change up on nitro yeah. where bischoff is just back on commentary now i listen i'm into it and he's but you know that's the thing is that he doesn't at least in the clips we saw doesn't seem to be like smarmy heel bischoff he's the tour he's the tour chair yeah yeah so yeah whatever <laughs> do you know what i mean like it's like again it's better than larry doing double duty in my head canon it's because our uh shivani and heenan have such a shit relationship now that bischoff has to be on the air to keep them on track as a literal buffer between yeah. the two of them yeah possibly um we go straight to a, a match for once and it's um it's the west texas rednecks of kurt hennig and big bob Cum versus the texas hangman texas hangman one and texas hangman two Never, Texas. never identified as which they're just one no. of the hangmen yeah they're not like the Vianos uh, which we extensively spoke about on I think our last show so, where they have the indicating marks on their tights nope well not to you they're all the same obviously oh um, Jesus Christ so do you think the Texas hangmen are any relation to the Virginia hangman yes well their surname is hangman Did, so, Disney yeah. cousins maybe yeah yeah 
That is, they come from the family. They're not hangmen. That's the, that's a popular misconception is that they're they're from the family. But the, the the first man, yeah, that they hang ma- yeah. hangmans. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they didn't like execute people. They were just you know doing fairly well for themselves. They're re- really Let's good at spelling words. Yeah, the Texas hungmen. Um, <laughs> I will say their gear is looking like it was cinched in about five percent this time. So it wasn't like it's still shit. Yeah, like. Um, but it's not quite as baggy as it was on the last one. And I think they've changed their masks, haven't they? The masks have been upgraded. They look slightly different already, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the masks look a bit better. Uh, either the gear's a bit tighter or they're a bit fatter. I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say? Could have went either way. Um, yeah, but, like, still a very much, like, there is absolutely no hope that anyone in this crowd are, are buying anyone else winning this match apart from the West Texas Rednecks. Uh, let's talk for a second about this Syracuse crowd. Yes, let's. This is one of the wor- like, I-, I don't remember it being this bad on Thunder 66. I-, I think to Syracuse's credit, I will say this is largely WCW's fault, but I have never in the whole run of this program seen uh, a deader crowd. Yeah, and like, this is probably the f- the worst instance we've seen of empty chairs on the hard camera yeah a lot of people were gone this was genuinely like shockingly poor in terms of crowd reaction because like even like even on shows we've watched where like the the action is shit and you have no star names or anything like that people still pop for like entrances Mm -hmm. and finishers and sometimes for like promo segments and stuff like this but like I mean, with the exception of Booker T, maybe. And even he got a very muted reception. Yeah, they were given nothing. And it wasn't like... So if this was a one-off and we hadn't just seen a thunder from here, I'd be like, okay, maybe like it's a badly mic'd crowd or something mm. like that. But one, this wasn't the case on Thunder 66. And two, we can visibly see the crowd not giving a shit. Yeah, like they, who, they, the, the people who are there. Like, it's a good thing they don't have phones because literally the whole crowd would have been like down looking at their phones. Yeah, and they definitely, like, this is one of those, I often wonder when we watch the taped ones, is like, oh, were these matches that were like put at the start of the taping? Were they put at the end of the taping? There is no mistaking that this was, they had already easily they'd sat seen, through two plus hours yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah this was like uh, this is one where like if I look back at the quality of like if I'm WCW and I looked at the quality of action on this taping and I looked at the way the crowd was I'd genuinely be considering like airing a best of <laughs> like this does well I mean it, they kind of did <laughs> yeah yeah truly um, the, it, like the way the crowd were and like how bad the show was did absolutely no one any favours um, I don't think um, it was yeah it was very disappointing now I will say the action they got throughout the whole show really didn't deserve much of a reaction no no, that's that's again. It's like it's WCW. It's hardly like they came out and they fucking knocked it out of the park to silence, like putting on a you know like a a pay per view quality card and just mm-hmm. getting nothing off this crowd who were sitting on their hands. No, like they delivered bad and they got bad back in return. So I, I only have limited sympathy. Um, there's like <laughs> there's a brief moment like at the start of this match where uh, Hennig and uh, Texas Hangman number one. Uh, decide they're going to do some holes and some wrestling exchanges and it's not bad for like a minute or two 
Um, and then Big Bob Cum comes in, and I, I actually thought that this was going to end in about, like, 90 seconds, because as soon as he comes in, like, he just starts slugging away at both of the hangmen, and I thought, okay, like, they're already building to the finish here. Um, so, uh, hangmen cut him off in the corner, and then start choking Duncan with a bull rope, and that's, like, where I started, um, and I, I tweeted something out about this, where I was just like, Lee, who are the heels in this match? Yeah, that that's kind of my big takeaway on this. Like, the uh, West Texas Rednecks are being kind of presented as faces. Yeah, even though in their feud with Conan and Ray, Conan and Ray are definitely faces. Yeah, but they're not exactly, the, the Rednecks aren't exactly heels to the WCW crowd. Mm. And that's an issue. Like I know, so I know, then, I know it's a wider issue with this feud. Anyway, considering yeah, where a lot of company. a lot of the WCW you know events take place, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, no, like it's very much that Henning and Duncan are the faces here. Are are Hennig and Nash boys? I don't know. I don't know what the relationship is there. I don't know. Just because that, that was like something that was in the back of my head. Is it a thing where they're being kind of portrayed as baby faces because him and Nash are tight and Nash still has the book? I don't know. Um, Like it's purely speculation on my part. Um, Yeah. It, and it doesn't help that like it, it frustrates me so much that like I, I think in 98, our big bugbear uh, at the tag division was the, the tag titles. Mm-hmm being like uh disregarded hot shotted around being defended by one person being on judy bagwell things like that but now in 1999 i think the thing that's really streamed past it for me in terms of critique of the tag division is that the idea of tag psychology they're finding new ways to break it yeah and this was a thing where the team that are like i mean like you said, they're not really being portrayed as heels, but they should be in the West Texas Rednecks. Are now in a position where Bobby Duncan is getting illegally choked out behind the referee's back by the Texas Hangmen. Who, like, I'm not saying Texas Hangmen are supposed to be these valiant baby faces in the match, but, like, they're literally supposed to be here for the heels to beat around. Yeah, they're supposed to be, like, hapless jobbers. They, they, they should be treated as jobbers, really. Like, they're literally a lower Saturday night level team. Yeah. Um, so, so, so now bear that in mind that like from that spot that is in traditional psychology in the ring that communicates to you that the Texas hangmen are heels are. and the West Texas rednecks mm-hmm. are baby faces bear that in mind okay. because in a couple of sentences time that's going to be upended but you're going to say something there I was I was just having a quick think about it um, obviously Scott Hall and Kurt Henning would be boys going back to the AWA days Yes. So I'm pretty sure, obviously, Nash and Henning must have had some kind of relationship. So Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's probably safe to say. Uh, Hangman 2 telegraphs a back body drop. Oh, this was, like, pathetic for Bobby Duncan. So he telegraphs a big back body drop, and Duncan can't decide if he's going to counter it with, like, a kick to the midsection or a clothesline, and he kind of half-heartedly does one than the other. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's one of the most awkward, like, he kind of just, like, caresses him with his foot and then does, like, one of the most awkward, badly positioned clotheslines you've ever seen. Like, a badly positioned clothesline to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you found out after the case that Bobby Duncan, like, tore a muscle or something while throwing the arm because it was just so unnatural the way he did it. Like, no one with the basics of training should be doing a clothesline like that. Um... Uh, so Hennig comes in, hits a running snapmare, throws one of the hangmen into their corner, and now they 
used the bull rope to mm-hmm. choke out a Texas hangman see behind the, the referee's back. two bull ropes, one in each corner. Yeah. And that was even like, so just in case, that's I should rewind to when the first bull rope swap was done. In case you were mistaken in thinking that the West Texas Rednecks were definitely baby faces, Tanae during that spot said, hey, normally these are the guys that are doing that behind the referee's back. You know, but not in a way that go, hey, I taste their own medicine. More just like pointing out as like, hey, these guys are, you know, fucking dipshits as well. Um, we get tag. Duncan hits a power slam, tags out again. Uh, Hennig back in, hits the Hennig plex and wins. Um, did you notice something interesting about the end of this match, Lee? Was it Kurt Henning's little bounce before he did the Henning plex? There was that. That was great. I, I love that. <laughs> no, it was after the match, right? So their music starts playing. And Hennig starts sexy dancing, which is worth looking back at, thrusting away. And the whole time the music is playing, and they actually did, did a little, today mentioned it in their intro as well, where like the music starts playing and he goes, wait until you hear this singing start. It's unmistakably Kurt Hennig singing about how rap is crap. And it was only during them playing the music again after they won that I realised the music they were playing was not rap as crap no it wasn't it was like some generic entrance music it was the music the two of them had for a few weeks before rap as crap and it didn't sound like it was dubbed over it sounded like somebody in the booth just genuinely switched out the songs and Tanae was so turned off he didn't realise he didn't realise yeah uh, cuz like he was really hamming it up like you were about to hear Kurt's voice any second yeah cuz Lar- it just never happened the bit was that Larry hadn't heard it yet yeah and they kept playing that uh, up and he continued to not hear yeah. it um so then Ray and Conan run out just as they're uh, they were like hog tying one, one of the hangman yeah, yeah. Uh, Rough Rider on Duncan and a face buster on Hennig the heels bail but in spite of the fact they were hit with two of the guys signature moves they're still like going up the ramp and celebrating True. not a bother on them True heels. Uh, we get a, a flashback to the bash or a bash back if you will uh, this is Flair versus Piper uh, and I thought I was in my own personal circle of hell having to watch this again um you see Flair cutting a promo on Nitro after the match saying, Roddy, for 20 years we have fought. And I thought to myself, well, it sure feels like it. Um, Flair offers Piper the vice presidency, which he accepts. Dean Malenko then came out to speak on behalf of all the young guys in the company. He says, Wayne Gretzky and John Elway, they stepped aside, they passed the torch. That's class. Flair then outright refuses to pass the torch. And then Flair, Aaron and Piper beat him down. Buff makes the save, but he gets outnumbered. Uh, Saturn and Benoit then you see get cut off backstage by the Jersey Triad. Now, I thought I don't want anything to do with this Flair and Piper situation. But I thought in as much as they showed us a replay from Nitro that builds to a match that they would then later show us. From Nitro. I thought, yes, now also on Nitro. It would have been like the actual thing to do would have been to build to a match that they're going to have on Thunder. Um, but at least you're seeing a peek over at Nitro that at least there's some sort of storyline progression. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, it's something, isn't it, Lee? I mean, I think the worst part of it all is, one, you have Dean Malenko to go out and do the speaking on behalf of this unit, or the, yeah. these young guys. <clears throat> and then the one that you're pushing the hardest is Buff Bagwell, who mm. was literally in the NWO, oh, I don't know, three months ago. Um, yeah. WCW everyone 
Um, our next match was Scotty Riggs versus the Disco Inferno. And I started, I think, about 10 minutes, or not 10 minutes, sorry, felt like 10 it minutes. felt like 10 minutes. But about 10 seconds into this match, I was in tears laughing because the bell rings and these guys do like this stalling, staring thing at each other, like genuinely, like they thought they were Hogan and Rock a few years later at WrestleMania. Like they were doing a stand facing each other. Can you feel this yeah, moment? It is epic to- clash. Yeah, a match that sounded like it was happening in a fucking crypt, and the two of them are just stalling with each other. Um, I don't know. The, the thing I noticed at the start of this match was Larry uh, shitting all over all of the young talent in WCW. So this is the this is the 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 main talking point that carries through pretty much all five matches on this show. Like they are talking about it all night. Mm-hmm. Is this? thing that we picked up on last week with Larry where you know they're doing the bit with Flair and with Piper where the young guys are being held down by the evil president of the company and like that is the way that you should be seeing things but Larry who isn't outwardly a heel commentator at this point um, but just exclusively in the context of talking about this one thing which makes me feel like it's just a thing he believes in uh, says that like he doesn't think any of these young people fucking deserve it. And I was like, we're not gonna pass the torch to you. you. Fucking take the torch. You don't. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. Uh, like absolutely burying them. And he does it over and over and over again in this show. And God bless Tanay. Like I'm sure Tanay, as probably a fan of Larry Zbysko and as somebody who is like still cutting his teeth on national television as a, a full time announcer doesn't want to be just like obstreperous with him mm-hmm. doesn't want to be like you know really calling him out or anything like that so he kind of just lets it all slide like he'll say something about how great the young guys are and then Larry will go on for 30 seconds fucking slating them and then tonight will be like right okay uh, and then move on <laughs> he just does the Michael Colting of tag <laughs> yeah and the impression you're left with as like a, a person who you know isn't inside baseball if you're just watching this show mm-hmm the way that dynamic works out is like Tanay goes these young guys are good and and like then Zabisco like categorically just shuts down the idea that these young people are good so the impression you're left with is like oh these young people must be fucking dog shit yeah. and if, if they're saying this and you're watching a Scotty Riggs versus Disco Inferno match you're thinking this Larry guy has a fucking point and La- Larry repeatedly many many times puts himself on the same level as Flair and Piper yeah yeah <laughs> always working mm-hmm. always working um, one thing I will say, and it is, you know, only occasionally that I will say it. I feel like Disco was trying. Yeah. I, I feel like he, I feel like he was actually trying to have a decent match here. I, I think um, at this point in his run, he, he is legitimately trying to, yeah. not, not to reuse the same word again, but legitimize his character as a wrestler. The problem with this is one, he's not that good. No. And two, Scotty Riggs is so awful, it would take somebody twice the wrestler of him to carry, and maybe more, to carry Scotty Riggs to a compelling TV match. And also, his name is still Disco Inferno. Yeah. Um, and this is the thing, like you said, there is this while in 1999 where he's trying to, like, go legit, for want of a better term. But, like, by the end of this year, and it may not even be as late as the end of the year, like, he's realized that that is a sunk cost and just goes way the other oh, way. Oh, he, he totally leans into the angle at the end of the year. And it's great. So, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love the stuff that happens with yeah. Disco and the, the Mamelukes. I love all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So this is, this is a really bad match. 
uh, Riggs is abs- as bad as Riggs is selling. He is fucking off on offense. On offense. Oh my God. Like totally no fire, nothing at all to anything he did in this match. And almost to Disco's credit, you can tell that like he's not even going to give Riggs the courtesy of like a full valiant babyface comeback. Like literally, the entire comeback in this match is like Riggs comes off the top with an axe handle. Uh, Disco good punch. Disco does the bit. Yeah, he does the bit where he sidesteps and good punches, and then mm. just hits a last dance. Do you know, which th- again, I'm still annoyed at not called the chairbuster anymore. Yeah, Disco's last dance. It's always so awkward because he throws the boot with the left foot. And yeah. then does the stunner with the right hand side of his body. Yeah. And it's very Again, awkward. it's it just goes to show that like as simple as the stunner seems, like it's like a bad wrestler can even fuck a stunner up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um so that's the end of that. Uh then we get Master P flashback exclusively. Uh we get to see a press conference. It's been a while since we've seen one of them. Um now I will say, right? I don't like the whole Master P and WCW thing because I have no nostalgia for Master yeah. P as as a thing. We I think we talked about that when he showed up first. Mm-hmm. Is that he wasn't really not, a thing over here. Not at all that I recall. Now, he, it seems like for a very short period of time, he had a very significant cult significant cultural impact mm-hmm. in the states. So I get the nostalgia for him, but like we're coming into this with completely fresh eyes and I do think Lee I will give this to everybody involved. I think Master P is genuinely a fan. And I think he genuinely wants to try and, like, bring eyes to what he's doing. I think it came out in the Nitro book. I don't think he was a fan, per se, growing up. But he is from New Orleans, legitimately. Mm. And obviously a strong wrestling presence in that city. When he would have yeah. been grown up with mid out and stuff. Yeah. So, well, I, I have no doubt he had watched professional wrestling and was yeah. aware of I'll, professional wrestling. I'll put it this way then. I, I, you know, I stand corrected, but I will, I will put it this way. He makes it come across yes. like he isn't above wrestling. He, that he genuinely respects it. Yes. Yes. Um, and the other thing I will say is that WCW are making a huge deal out mm-hmm. of this. They're trying. Like, and I, I, they should. I have to say, both sides are trying. Yes. And uh, look, we will talk next week because we're going to a Knights of Nitro after this. And it's the Master P Nitro uh, in New Orleans. I, I think the most misguided part is they thought they could get Swole over. Yeah. And that's probably one of the biggest flaws. Now, I know Master mm. P doesn't really stick around much. Um, no. but I like, Neither does Swole, really. I do know that. Like, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. With, of He's definitely interested because... The whole idea of Master P and the No Limit Soldiers was they were involved in everything. Like, look at the, the list yep. that Tanae ran down last week. There was literally mm-hmm. everything in the world he could possibly get the No Limit Soldiers involved in. He he was there. So I have no doubt he wanted yeah. this to Smart be successful. Guy. Yeah. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates... It's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOW net. Arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, yeah, like that's the thing. Like he doesn't want to attach his name to something that's less than. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to try really hard and he does try really hard. And I do think like on the swole point, I will say I can see part of where it comes from because like you don't want to make the thing that Master P is the wrestler. Oh, no, not at all. So so you you put in a guy that you think you can get to wrestle, but I would have picked anyone out of the power plant or anyone already on the like, again, you're already associating Conan and Ray with them. That's like, enough. That's good enough. Yeah, that, 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 that's enough there. A hot WCW act. That's yeah, all that they need one, of, one of the best, like, you know, wrestlers of his generation, as we, we already mentioned and on Ray. the show. Like. <laughs> and, like, maybe one of the most over interviews. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's like he's not worth a fuck in the ring, but, like, Conan, his promos get huge reactions mm-hmm. every time. And, he, and he, he was, like, deep into that culture. Like, he, he got it. He yeah. understood it. Like, he could have been yeah. the guy to carry that whole thing. Yeah. He's one of those guys that, like, I think if they had listened to him more during this period, like, they could have really carved out that, you know, that, like... Um, Latin American... Latin American yeah. audience that WWE would spend the next 15, 20 years chasing. chasing. Yeah. They could have been theirs, uh, like, a mortal lock um, if there had been like more emphasis on luchadors, like, le- more le- late nineties was like the time for Latin American yeah. superstars in America, like pop Speaking culture. Speaking of while we're while we're on the lads here, isn't it very funny that since our last podcast, the LWO are back? Oh my god! 
and are now joining the list uh, with the brood of acts that we're all now pretending were were around for a long time and over. Like how long on our run but still what like three weeks maybe before Eddie's accident? Yeah. Like let's all remember right the LWO were one a parody of an act that was already in the company that was already tired and long past its sell by date. And two was basically just a holding pattern to keep the luchadors quiet. Like, the keep yeah, the because they're doing they, something to shut them up. They've been speaking up about not wrestling guys outside of the division. Yeah. And they don't stick around for that long at all. Yep. And now, I don't doubt that in the hands of somebody competent, the LWO is a great idea and could have been a thing. But those great minds were not in WCW then, and they're not no. in WWE now. No, they are not. And I also, I also think, and I don't know if this is a slightly controversial thing to say, Lee, so like, stop me if you disagree, or, or tell me if you see where I'm coming from here. Much as there are a lot of the men's careers that are intertwined with each other, I feel the level to which WWE hammer you over the head with Eddie stuff when Ray is involved... Is not, like is not fair to Ray. Like, like the thing about like he's in the LWO now, which like famously, if you remember the LWO, either watching it or when we covered it, the whole thing was he didn't want to be in yes. the LWO, right? So there's that, but there's also the thing of like it was Eddie's group, yeah. and they're putting that on Ray now, and his whole Royal Rumble WrestleMania win of the title and stuff like that was all about Eddie. And when he came out, as much as it was a lovely moment in isolation, when he came out at WrestleMania, they played Eddie's music. And it's like, I feel like sometimes the overdoing of that... Takes away from his own career. Takes away from, Mm -hmm. like, it makes people think that he succeeds because Eddie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now look... I I think that's unfair. And, And like, Eddie's one of my favorites of all time, and so is Ray. It it Um, doesn't help that, like, the Halloween Havoc... 97 match is undoubtedly one of the best North American pay-per-view matches of all yes, time. Undoubtedly. Well, like, I, I still remember and it still feels fresh in my mind that like Eddie dies at the end of 2005. Fucking tragic. One of the like the, the bleakest um, memories I ever have in wrestling. It was so fucking sad. But from that moment through probably the end of 2006... You could argue that Eddie Guerrero was the main character in WWE. Yeah. Like I, I, like, I wrote a preview for Voice Wrestling for WrestleMania, and I said it in the preview. I said the most over person in the match between Dominic and Ray will be Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And like I love, I totally get it from Ray's point of view that like Eddie was one of, if not his best yeah, friends, like, like literally like the brothers. He, he wants to keep the memory mm. alive and stuff like that, but I, I just. I guess I worry sometimes that there there will be fans out there that like underrate. Instead of looking at Rey Mysterio as a wrestler, they look at Rey Mysterio as Eddie Guerrero's friend. Yeah. Now I will say it's not as it doesn't feel as exploitive as two thousand and six. No, the stuff and, they, and they're, they're doing them recently. And look, like that was genuinely like disgusting, <sighs> and I think it won Observer most disgusting. It, I think, I think, I think it year. did. Yeah. And look, yeah. we know that so you had Orton doing the Eddies in Hell yeah. promo, and like I think, did yeah, he's not there. God, he's down he there. he, yeah. R- he RKO'd him on the Lowrider, and you know, um, and look, we we know that 
Vicky made the choice that they wanted to stay involved in the business and yeah. fuck don't talk to me yeah I'm not I'm not, I'm not last yeah, week yeah, yeah. Um, and the family were you know all behind the whole idea of Ray using Eddie's name as a storyline device shall we say yeah yeah, <clears throat> and, chat. and I'm sure again Eddie ever the worker would've, probably would have been yeah, fine with and, it himself and that's the thing and that's what it always comes back to you have to remember these guys they're all workers and yeah. if they think they're going to be able to help a friend in debt they would probably all agree to it and but that's that again is is not what we're saying do you know what i mean like no. that's like i'm not saying i'm not trying to defend eddie on his behalf and he's not here <laughs> no no not at all like not at all yeah um I, like I, I just think it's a thing where i think sometimes it's laid on I, too I just thick. worry that with yeah. a certain small percentage of people ray's legacy gets lost yeah i agree um but yeah that's that's that but um on the how do we deviate from the press conference to that um oh so, in the press conference, Conan was annoying the shit out of me because uh, Eric Bischoff is trying to very sternly, yeah, he's very sternly trying to read out Masterpiece accolades. But Conan, one, won't stop moving and two, won't stop hitting the table. Like, he's wrapping the table mm-hmm. and, like, it's it, it's occluding the microphone. Like, you can't really hear what Bischoff is trying to say because he keeps, like, tapping. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to do it. I was thinking about doing it to replicate it, and I was like, I wouldn't annoy people listening to this. Like, already when we hit the microphones accidentally, it's annoying enough for people, I'm sure. Um, yeah, fucking hell. Um, Master P, I did love when he was doing his promo, completely blanked on Kurt Hennig's name. There's a moment where he Oh, goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got involved I, with another uh, wrestler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got involved with... Long pause, another wrestler, uh, which is good. Um, he does seem to be delighted to be involved in wrestling, as we said. Uh, Rey Mysterio, the piss yellow sunglasses, uh, not a great choice, mate. Um, but they really are, like, and I'm sure it was a thing of the deal, like, they're, they're really pushing the, like, positive mindset and mm-hmm. philosophy of the No Limit Soldiers. Um, and, it, like... It's weird for the time a company that, in short order, would be repeatedly accused on a legal basis of institutional racism, um, being really progressive about Latino and hip hop culture in this one angle is kind of wild. Um, it's, it's mad how quickly things change, isn't it? Um, we're then off to Nitro again, and it's Ray and Conan versus Psychosis and La Parca with the No Limit Soldiers in the corner. Uh, Conan and Ray hit their big moves and get the double pin. Uh, the No Limit Soldiers come in to celebrate, but the Rednecks hijack the sound system and play their song. Um, and then the No Limit Soldiers chase them off. And Master Masterpiece says, you still want beef, cowboy? Because we're going to get rowdy. And the crowd don't react hugely to this, but I thought it was a clever device to get the No Limit Soldiers at the sound system to start playing their tunes mm-hmm. going into the break. So that was like they obviously reverse engineered is like we want them to take over the tunes. How are we gonna get there? Um I thought the crowd didn't buy into it at all. Like Master P is yeah. on the mic singing his uh Hootie Hoo, whatever song that yeah. is, and um Yeah, the the fans weren't getting into it. And I thought Master P was getting slightly annoyed at the that the fans weren't buying yeah. into it. Yeah, he repeats himself like two or three times, yeah. Um, Poor guy. He is trying, like we he said. He is, he but, is uh, trying. Yeah, they're not having a um Next up, you want to talk about foreboding uh, signs, Lee. Uh, the advertising, uh, the closed captioning on this program is sponsored by America Online. Can't imagine 
WCW and AOL are ever going to come up together in conversation again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> our next match is Evan Courageous versus the returning flat pack sovereign. It's Prince Ikea. Um, Tanae says, two of the young lions of WCW in this match. Prince Ikea has been around for fucking ages, man. Yeah, at least, at least like 97. If not, like he may still be young, but he is not like a young lion in terms of like being a fresh, like wet behind the ears. Like he still wrestles like he's fresh, wet behind the ears rookie. But like, was TV champ. This this guy's been around for fucking yonks. Like he's been killed three different times over since we started. He's gone at at least three long injury absences since we started the show. Mm -hmm. Just uh, I fucking I I have to say this match was just. total nothing this was one of those where now you could tell that right so courageous is fairly new on the scene mm-hmm. uh and ikea is like he's the relative veteran so he's leading the match and you can tell this is a phenomenal misreading of what the room needed in this like you should have if you're if i'm the veteran in there i'm letting courageous do all his dynamic fast-paced stuff bumping around from making him look like a million dollars but what we get is he's all action for a couple of seconds and then we go through a break and Ikea has the heat and he grinds this match to a fucking halt. Mm-hmm. Like it was so quiet. Like so he gets a chin lock a few seconds after the break and it is so quiet. If you turned up the TV a little bit, you could probably hear individual people breathing <laughs> in the crowd. <laughs> you know? Uh, listen, I'm going to be watching the Masters all weekend. If I hear the crowd that quiet, I'll be disappointed. Yeah. It was fucking shocking. And then uh, Craig just goes outside the ring. Ikea, to slow down the pace even more, tries to do the thing where he's like stopping Craig just from getting back in the ring. And then they try to burr all around on the outside to get the crowd back, but they are just dead, dead, dead. Uh, Evan tries a comeback and he gets cut off. Prince whips him back in the ring. Uh, shoulders in the corner and just as you think like okay things are starting to pick up again he slaps on another chin lock and everybody is so like gone at this point and out of the match that like evan tries the like and people like i've I've heard people like react like not superstar reaction but people react to like the, the handsome young baby face evan courageous and like he tries the valiant fight out of the chin lock and you know trying to wave to the crowd and get them going and absolutely no response and then Prince puts him down again. And, like, at this point, I, I, I wrote down, like, I've never seen a WCW crowd react this little, this consistently across the show. Wait, wait till the artist um, arrives. Yeah. Uh, Courageous tries a small package, gets kicked out. Uh, Ikea gets a bit of fireman's carry. Courageous slips out, rolls him up uh, for the win, and hardly anyone even Nobody noticed. Knows. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I have. Nobody cared. Now, what I will say is that at least the Milky Way replay showed uh, what was the only good move of the match because like as soon as the replay came up I was like what the fuck are they even going to show for this apart from the pin and they did show that Evan Courageous and I don't know if we've mentioned it on this show before but he's definitely hit it in another match maybe too uh, he hits a lovely power slam he does he's got good mm-hmm. snap like it's not Orton levels of snap on a power slam but it, or uh, like or Dustin. Uh, Dustin Rhodes but it's a, it's a fucking good looking power slam so you know fair play to him on that um, my, um, my biggest takeaway is I was reminded that the Milky Way in America is different to the Milky Way we have. Yes, it is. Uh, how would you describe the Milky Way we have here? 
It's like the like it's it's chocolate, but like the the whole bar is just like the world's softest nougat. Yeah, it's it's yeah that that's probably a pretty accurate. Um, whereas yeah. there seems to be a an actual chocolate bar. Yeah, it seems to be closer to like there's more chocolate involved, and also, if I remember from when I've had American Milky Ways on my travels there. The consistency is more akin to a Mars bar. That that's what I was gonna say. Is it is it like Mars bar esque? That's there, there. It feels like there's more bite to the American ones than they're like. It's like you're eating a cloud. The Milky Way is yeah, over I'll here. Talk, like, I don't know. They're 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 like a a baby's chocolate bar over here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're yeah they're pretty much one of the ones you give kids first mm-hmm. because like they're so soft they can't fucking choke on them. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, <laughs> our next up is <laughs> I'm now hungry. Um. Tag team matchup next, and it's the first families Brian Nobbs and Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart versus Laparka and Silver King. My little bit of giddiness that we were getting. Oh, I was just gonna say that I was so excited when Laparka and Silver King came out, and then these two fucks <laughs> come out to wrestle them. Um, I will say, you know, talk about signs of what we know is coming in terms of 1999 WCW. During the entrances here, today makes mention of two things that are coming up. One is the Nitro Musical Summer, where they're going to have uh, musical guests every week through the summer on Nitro, uh, which is fairly infamous Mm -hmm. for several reasons we will get into. Uh, And also, guess who's re-signed? Dennis Rodman, who'll be having, I believe, his last matches at Road Wild this year. I'm pretty sure it's Road Wild 99, yeah. Has his final WCW match, which we will unfortunately be covering. Um, so they're talking about the Steiners as well during the entrances uh, Larry very melodramatically says Sting could have literally been torn to shreds I couldn't remember I had already memory hold because it's been so many weeks since we did Great American Bash the horrific dog mauling angle that happened on Great American Bash holy shit it all came roaring back to me when he said literally torn to shreds yeah, that towel that was around, that was like three inches thick around his fist really took a pounding from that probably toothless dog. <laughs> uh, um, I could, right, okay, I, I forgot I wrote this. This is how, I'm just going to read this sentence I wrote in my notes verbatim when this match started. This is how mad I was that Silver King was being wasted again. They brawl immediately because these two pasty fat dipshits can't do anything else. <laughs> It's an extremely harsh criticism of uh, La Parker and Silver King. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what I was talking about. <laughs> they, they was uh, anti-Mexican. Um, oh my god! <laughs> agenda again? <laughs> no, I'm not having. I'm not having this because I'm not having listeners either. Like, start to like go in on that joke with you, or. Um, I'm also not having, like, if somebody hasn't listened to us in a while, it's like, oh, I'm just going to listen to the latest episode. And, like, Lee's just like, oh, yeah, no, he hates Luchadors. Yeah, it's just... like, no, I mean, you're not Russo-fying. <laughs> I, I will not have it. Russo-fying. I will not have it, sir. <laughs> I have to say, if there's one thing we have been um, pretty consistent on, it's that I'm very much into the Luchadors and you are not. <laughs> and we we have been begging for more Silver King and Leparka on the show. Oh, we love both, particularly Silver, Silver King. King. Is like, it like a, an unsung hero to us? Of... 
at least we know that like like Parka is featured fairly regularly through the end of WCW. Mm. But like Silver King is just like blink and you'll miss him. He shows up once every three months. Like, yeah. Oh. Um. So, uh, both luchadors come in. Morris ducks a La Parka clothesline, which takes out Silver King. Uh, Nobs in, throwing shitty-looking punches at both men. Uh, so far, pretty much a squash for the first family, which I'm not happy about. Um, God bless Silver King. There's a bit where the heels are beating on La Parka, and Silver King is trying his living fucking best on the apron to get this crowd mm-hmm. to react to anything, and it's just not happening. Um... Jimmy starts distracting the ref, but completely forgot where he was supposed to stand to distract the ref. So he has to like run around the. He has to like he's up on the apron, then realizes he's in the wrong spot. Drops down to the floor, runs around to distract him from another spot. Um, Nobs then hits Laparka with a chair. Then Silver King in the back when he's running the ropes. Nobs comes in now, hits a hideous pump handle. What slam. the fuck was he doing? Yeah, Dion. It was like it was like. He was on the mat holding him like at WrestleMania, uh, Becky Lynch doing the uh, the top rope man yeah, handle yeah, yeah. slam, whereas like she was really gingerly doing it so as not to drop. Was it Dakota or Bailey? Bailey, 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 yeah, yeah, not to drop Bailey. Uh, but like they were up on the ropes, not standing feet planted on the mat, um, and like Nobs just like nearly lost him on it, uh, and then he tags in, no laughing matter. Uh, and that's the win this is followed up by a terrible promo into the camera uh, inviting anybody in the back to come walk down nasty boulevard and then get nasty sized which is just like it's not happening mate and then Hugh Morris takes over and just as he's about to deliver his punchline um, where he's like something about how it's no laugh it's something about how oh that they'll have the last yeah. laugh literally as he's about to say last laugh they cut him off rightly so <laughs> they go to the so. yeah um, this is a bad match like. that was awful and uh, of course you'll put the blame on Silver King and La Parker, but we, we all know the first family are nope. the first family are DOA um, yeah fucking this is I think the third time they've tried to reform the first family even just in our room yeah and I mean the, the best it's never been good the best one was where Jimmy reunited Meng and Barbarian after they had just feuded three weeks previous and yeah. then of course the Barbarian and Jimmy turned on Meng after two weeks yeah yeah classic great classic great great uh, first family lore but you know what speaking of the first family if you didn't have enough of the first family it's the main event already. Uh, sort of. It's Barbarian with Jimmy Hart versus Booker T. In what is, I must remind you, a martial arts division title match. Uh, as Booker is our reigning is mad champion. I forgot. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. He yeah. beat Scott Steiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is what I was like. This company hates Booker. This is his first match yeah, back. That, and it's okay, like, that, that, you need to go out for 11 minutes and pull something out of this That was going to be my takeaway. Like, why are you giving Booker... Like, who you, They've done a solid job of pushing, like, relatively pushing. Yeah. Um, why do you give him... Yeah, big caveat there. First of all, his big return on a tape thunder. And yeah. two, why are you putting him out there with And Bart? you know what? This isn't even the first time that Booker's return is on a thunder. And that's fine. Like... Look, you you can get beyond that, but why are you putting them into a barb? You you're not getting something out of barb in nineteen ninety nine. No, 
I I would argue at any stage. Uh, really. look, yes, I, I, I've I've always thought Barb. Barb Barb could have a decent match at times. Right, so <laughs> um, <laughs> Booker gets the the biggest reaction on the show by a mile, but it's still like you had said earlier on. It's still muted. Yeah, it, it's like, nowhere it's still not nowhere near the levels you would expect first. Especially because if you think about it, like no one says anything in the arena. So this is an unannounced return. Mm-hmm. Which should get a monster pop. Because he's very popular. But it doesn't, because they're dead. Um, Maybe the most haunting sign I've seen in a long time in the crowd on the hard cam here. A, a large gentleman with a sign saying, WCW rocks my panties. Let that one fester. Oh, <laughs> If I did it again, in the what? <laughs> in the Patreon, uh, no, I sent out earlier on. Um, I got the year wrong on Backlash. Oh my god! So did somebody jump to correct you? Yeah, suit. Good, good. <laughs> it's not Backlash 08, It's Backlash O two. How do you keep I doing don't that? Oh, I, I really need to write this shit down. Yeah, yeah. Or we're going to end up with another fucking Starcade situation. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I definitely don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> anyway, um, it's wild. Like this is I'd written this down. Like it's wild how hard they're pushing the old guys versus the young guys so hard on this show. Because do you know what Penny dropped with me? It's like this is such an unimaginative company, Lee. Because what are they doing a year from now? Oh, it's uh, I brought this up. Yeah, it's it's just like the early Millionaires Club versus New Blood. Yeah, and at least this time, I will say that the young guys are the baby faces, which is yes. correct. But I, Whereas, how about this? The fact that they tried it the year previous and it didn't work. And they do it again. I go, do you know what the problem it was, was? Yeah, it was the wrong dynamics. It, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Um, Booker got a flying start here. Uh, Barb is distressed and goes out to get instruction from Jimmy. Uh, heat on Barb doesn't last long. Uh, Booker hits a hook kick. Uh, Barb bails again to confer with Jimmy uh, but Booker runs out does a nog and knocker with the two of them uh, Booker is teeing off in the corner against Barb oi oi uh, whip reverse but Booker gets a big boot up Barb shakes it off and throws a German suplex uh, Booker fires up sidewalk slam spin and a sidekick he starts to go for the axe kick but Jimmy grabs his foot as he's coming off the ropes uh, big boot causes Book to spill outside couple of pin attempts once he gets back in uh, corner splash uh, a whip uh, Booker then as Barb is charging into the corner does his cool he's done this before where he like vaults out of the corner with a twisting roll up over Barb and wins and again almost no reaction to this yeah the flash pin wasn't the way you needed to bring Booker back um, I yeah. get maybe if you want to try and establish it as a thing he does, that's fine. It, it's actually something that Booker does throughout his career where he seems to use this for a couple of weeks on the spin and then just forgets about it again. Because I'm pretty sure he did it in WWF or WWE, WWF, WWE a couple of times as well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like I said, fucking not a good match to return on. I'm worried for where Booker is going. And, oh, well, we know. and the reactions that he's getting at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, it's, it's not going to get good for a little bit. No, and like we've said it before, like imagine if you had maintained some of the momentum he had earlier in this year and just put the title on him some point this year. Mm-hmm. 
you would have made a star. Mm-hmm. An absolute star. The fact that he went on to have such a successful career in spite of what they would do to him for a lot of the the death rattle era of this company is like testament to how good that guy was. Um, But yeah, that ends. I don't know if you were like doing the calculations here, Lee, but I was like, the main event is over and I'm looking at my ticker here on the network and there's 34 minutes left in this program. was left. I knew it was a long time, but I, I didn't like exactly time it. I was flabbergasted because I immediately knew why. I was like, we're just going to be showing a whole bunch of Nitro from this point. And you know what, son of a bitch, that's what they did. Uh, So first we get a Nash versus Macho still image recap of their match at the pay-per-view. We cut to Nitro and Nash calls out Sid Vicious. Now, much to your point about how great Sid is. Sid cuts a great oh, promo so backstage good. accepting so the challenge. Good. The camera's pointing it's up got, at him. It's fucking... Yeah, it, it makes him look enormous. It makes him look scary. It's got all the Sid intensity. And rarely for him, it makes sense. Yeah, oh, it's so good. He's like, yeah, I, I know Kevin Ash real well. I knew which buttons to push. Yeah. And now you've offered me a title yeah. match. I'm, yeah, I have you, big yeah. man. Yeah, he's bragging that he knew... That by, you know, getting into bed with Savage and doing that at the pay-per-view, he would get a shot at the title. So he's like, he's absolutely loving life He's playing 40 chess here, yeah. Yeah, cut to later, and Nash in a tie-dye NWO shirt. I want it. I don't remember the shirt at all. I think it looks awesome. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, He looks like fucking Van Hammer. Um... He's getting beaten down by Sid and Savage. As Macho takes out Nick Patrick, Sting comes out to clear house, and you remember when Sting comes out, this is what a crowd popping sounds like. I hadn't heard it all night. I, I don't and think Sting was actually coming out to save Nash. I think he was still just running from the dogs. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he actually looked great for a man who had Savaged. been as... Like, yeah. uh, he did torn to shreds, <laughs> I think you'll find. Torn to shreds, you say. It's amazing that his feud with the Steiners is now just over. Yeah, that was just over. He got eaten by a dog. That's it. Um... And this is where I noticed Bischoff is just on commentary again. Uh, then we go the next segment and the final segment of the show. And this is like when you knew, and I tweet this, this is how you know they were fucking phoning in that thunder before the pay-per-view. Is that the final segment on this thunder is an entire Nitro match with entrances. Yeah. Um, look, um, I don't think we need to go move move by move through this match. It's a Nitro match. It's no, not a but I, match. So... So it's an eight-man match that pitches Flair, Piper, Page, and Canyon versus the team I'm calling the Bizarro Radicals, uh, Malenko, Benoit, Saturn, and Buff Bagwell. Yeah. Um, well, I mean... We're, what do you think of this? We're right, on, oh, right on, the, on the cusp of the revolution. Yes. Yes, we are. And Bagwell just does not fit with that aesthetic. Like, no. e- even down to the point of Malenko, Saturn, and Benoit are all in their blue blue gear. And here you have mm-hmm. Buff coming out in his red fucking Buff Bagwell. So. And it, it's yeah, just it's like you can, subtle things like that. You can tell it's starting to come together for them. As a unit, yeah. And, yeah, and Buff is just here also. Yeah, and it's very much Buff is the guy <laughs> the office wants to push. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um... What did you think of this match? Because I thought this was like it's not on the standard of you know like it's around this time that Raw starts getting the 
the, the like the mans. notorious habit for like once it's a six yeah. man or higher, it's gonna be good. It wasn't quite to that level, but I thought it was decent fun, all action. I, I, do you know what? I thought it was oddly coherent and decent enough yeah. wrestling. Um, and and and, and do you know, you know I, they, I'd they, say they put, in no small part they put the shine on the young sorry. guys, and that's the yeah. most important part. That's what I was gonna say. In no small part, it's due to the fact that the centerpiece of this match, the Chris person Benoit. that the whole match was hung upon, was Chris Benoit. <laughs> and it's amazing. I, I did the exact same note of Benoit carried all of the work for his team when he probably yeah. didn't need to. But it's like yeah. the respect that basically the the opposition team have for him mm-hmm. meant that even when they were getting the heat on him, he was still getting the shine. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it it's eye-opening when you see them in the ring together that WCW wanted to push Buff Bagwell but Chris yeah. Benoit was right there yeah yeah um, do you know what actually staggered me is the finish of this match because it was well because, done because so it was well done but it all breaks down and everybody's outside and Buff takes a nasty spill on the apron to the mm-hmm. floor um, that the camera nearly completely missed. But then he comes back in, hits his blockbuster on Flair, and pins Flair clean. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, such a rarity. Like, a young guy pinning Ric Flair clean on television. That's what I mean. They, they like, Buff was the guy they wanted to push as the next big baby face. Yeah. They they did like a like a pretty decent job mm-hmm. here. There was there was also I would like to mention a, a fairly fun spot where all four baby faces got yeah, the four yeah. heels and figure fours, um, uh, and it was good because what that did was it distracted the ref um, away from Benoit because he was looking at the other three figure fours and Bammer was able to come in and drop a leg on, on the, the on legal team Benoit. Yeah. on Ben. But I think yeah. Benoit had that on Flair. Yeah, so that made that made a good bit of sense as to how he managed to get in there. So I thought that was well thought out. But yeah, all action, so enjoyable. I thought. Yeah, pre- pre- pretty decent for a a nitro match at that point. Yeah, uh, it was refreshing after that stinker of a mm-hmm. thunder. Um, so yeah, that is the second ending to Thunder episode sixty-seven. <laughs> we had the end of the actual thunder portion. Now we have the end of the broadcast portion um, with the the clean pin on Flair. Uh, Lee, who are your big winners and losers on Thunder episode 67? Um, and yeah, your overall thoughts. Uh, I wasn't aware coming in that it was the second part of a pre-pay-per-view taping. With that knowledge, now makes a lot it more makes sense, a lot more sense. Um, I don't know that there was a winner on the show from any of the five matches that were actually Thunder matches. Um I'm going to say Buff Bagwell is the big winner because from the the package early on the show to then the show ending with him. So, like, obviously they ended Nitro with Buff pinning Flair. They've ended Thunder with Buff pinning Flair. They're making a big deal of yeah. it. When, when, look, you might not like the direction, but they, they are trying with Buff. So Yeah, you might not like who they picked to pin yeah. Flair, but, like, they're going with it for at least So you got to give them credit there. Um... You do, in fact, got to hand it to them. <laughs> you don't got to hand it to ISIS, but you do, in fact, have to hand it to the WCW here. Um, yeah. Losers, I don't know. I think Ikea looked awful in his match. Scotty Riggs looked fucking terrible. Um, 
Dobbs and Morris and Barb, just the first family in general, are fucking dead. So I just no interest in them. And poor Booker, that's just poor Booker. I, I feel that's going to be yeah. a real team going forward. Is man, poor Booker, poor, poor guy. The the stuff he's been stuck with, yeah, for sure. Uh, our finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borger gives us five matches with four clean finishes and one interference leading directly to a finish thank you all so much for tuning back into the return of Days of Thunder uh, we shall see you again on the free feed in two weeks with a Knights of Nitro special in the meantime Lee we're going to have two TRL specials uh, behind the paywall at a largemanappears.com that's the series where if you p- if you pledge at the TRL tier on our Patreon, you get to request a show for us to watch. And what are the two that are coming up very soon? So coming up in the next seven days, we will have a special TRL Days of Thunder at the Movies episode where we will be watching Rumble in the Bronx, or will have watched and will be reviewing Rumble in the Bronx. And then mm-hmm. secondly, this day next week, we will have the release of the next TRL episode, which is covering Backlash 02. Not away, Dave. Yeah. Backlash 02, <laughs> which uh, Sue has reminded me for the very reason of some mid-card NWO. So Sue was right. definitely not into the NWO B team in 1999. Otherwise, no. he would have got his feel um, of mid-card NWO. So that's some good stuff. Also, uh, we will have returning soon. I think we are fairly committed to it now. Uh, we did a TRL on it, but we are going to be doing a mini-series recapping the cult classic TV series WMAC Masters. We had such a blast doing the first three episodes that we will return very, very soon mm-hmm. with our second batch of episodes on that. So all that and more for five Europeans over at largemanappears.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Days of Thunder. We shall see you again very soon. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. To keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us, you can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show.